0: A lady friend of Stanford White He's the famous architect Yes, that's right He put me on a velvet swing And made me wear, well, hardly anything Ruined at the age of 15, your honor Then I went and married Mr. Harry Thor Eccentric millionaire Oh, oh Harry's a jealous man Bang, bang of stand. Oh, oh.
1: Welcome to Broadway Radios, this week on Broadway for Sunday, May 14th, 2023. My name is James Marino, and in the broadcast today we have Peter Felicia and Michael Portantier. Peter is a playwright, journalist, and historian with a number of books. His new book, The Book of Musical Debates, Disputes, and Disagreements, is now available and can be purchased wherever finer books are sold. Peter also has columns at Masterworks, Broadway, Broadway Select, and many other places. Hello, Peter. Hi. Hello. Also with us is Michael Portantier. Michael's a theater reviewer and essayist. He's the founder and editor of castalbumreviews.com. He is also a theatrical photographer whose photos have appeared in the New York Times and other major publications. You could see his photography work at followspotphoto.com. Hello, Michael. Hello. Hello. So, Peter. Yeah. <laughs> today, <laughs> today is Sunday, May 14th, 2023, right. Right. which is uh, Mother's Day. I, I well, think all uh, around the world but yeah, uh
2: and the sixty second anniversary of Flahuli opening
1: anyway. <laughs> oh that's uh Flahooli. That's yeah. Mom liked that one. Mom liked that one. But you uh uh you know, we're we're not gonna talk about it just this moment, but famous mothers, Gypsy. You saw Gypsy at Goodspeed.
2: Uh, you know, it just occurred to me suddenly it's seventy-two years since Fluley opened. Excuse me. Anyway, uh, yes, I saw Gypsy at Goodspeed, and it is terrific beyond belief. Um, just amazing. And one of the reasons why you're shooting McLean as Rose, Madam Rose. Never yeah, Mama Rose. Mm-hmm. Madam Rose. Anyway, um uh, you have to understand that I have seen every Rose on Broadway uh, since Lance um uh, Merman was before my theater going time, but um I have seen every major production and plenty of the replacements and understudies too who have played the role and I've never seen it played more humanly um it is not performed as if this is my vehicle it's performed as this is a musical. There is a difference between a vehicle and a musical, <laughs> and Judy McLean really understands that this is a show that she is a part of, yes. The important part the leading part but nevertheless she is a component in this show and she is certainly not overwhelming it in the worst sense of the word she's terrific don't misunderstand me but the point is i have never seen it done as such a team player role and that's what really makes it extraordinary and i really really were so impressed by it Uh, especially because she has a wonderful supporting cast Talia Seskauer, uh plays the grown-up Louise and uh, does it astonishingly well. B- beautiful, beautiful voice in her speaking voice, singing voice too, but the speaking voice is really intoxicating and I really enjoyed uh, hearing it. Herbie is Philip Hernandez. Uh, We certainly have known him uh, for a long time, be it from Les Mis or Kiss of the Spider Woman or or even the Cape Man. But the point is, um, he's a very fine Herbie. It's a very tough role because after all, um, for much of the show, he has to be a a doormat and Mm -hmm. um, then of course he rises up to um, be something far more than that. So um, he makes transition extraordinarily well so um I was really impressed of course by both um, dainty June and baby June um, that's Laura Skye Herman and Emily Jewell Hoder terrific <laughs> um, I was laughing throughout um with these um, with these two kids, because <laughs> especially the enthusiasm that baby June has and the less than enthusiasm that dainty June has, who's been doing it much too long and is still in these costumes. So <laughs> uh, so really a, a terrific production all around. And really, Jen Thompson has done a marvelous job of directing, just marvelous. Um, and Patricia Wilcox certainly um, does the choreography extraordinarily well as well. The, th- the thing is, it's really one of the mysteries of all time that um, the original choreography by Jerome Robbins, Jerome Robbins didn't get nominated for a Tony. while well, I forget his name for a show called Happy Town, did. I remember Walter Kerr saying that, um, <laughs> that the choreography, they kept on doing the same steps over and over and over and over again. And um, But nevertheless, Jerome Robbins didn't get nominated for that, which may have had something to do with his personality. But believe me, <laughs> Patricia Wilcox, Jen Thompson, Judy McLean, Talia Saskauer, Philip Hernandez would get Tony nominations if this came to town. So it is well worth a trip to East Adam, Connecticut uh, to see Gypsy. Now, of course, many of say, well, you know, I've seen Gypsy. Yeah. Yeah, I know. But it really is so wonderful to see that the show still works on every level, especially when it's done with a top rate right cast like this.
1: Wow. So, uh, y- you, did bring up the magic word. If this were to come to town. <laughs>
2: Oh, uh, you know, it's it's a lot to ask because, of course, Goodspeed is a small space, and as a result, the sets, um, you know, were made for that theater. So um, it would really mean a, a total overhaul to uh, get it to a Broadway theater. It's it's one that deserves a Broadway production, but um, because of, of the expense, I don't know that we'll uh, see one. All right. And- yeah.
3: And not without a major star. <laughs> yeah. I you know, I mean, maybe, and I, and uh, nothing against her. You know, no, no,
2: no, no. Her. I know. I know what you mean. She's, yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. She's certainly not a household name, though she deserves to be. Yeah. And um, it might very well be a situation uh, of um, somebody discovering uh, essentially a new girl in town. And you might say, well, wait, she's been around, you know, because <laughs> she was in Mamma Mia for a long time, you know, but again, you don't get much um, uh, traction. And for when you're a replacement in a show, even when you're playing lead. So, right. um, so it's, this was really, um, well worth the trip. And I was so glad to, you know, I had seen her many times at Paper Mill. She was a terrific Victor Victoria, yes. she was terrific Evita, um, really an, an amazing woman. So, um, so she continues to amaze.
1: So, uh, Goodspeed is doing some really great, uh, marketing and getting, getting away, uh, getting people in to see these things. They have a gypsy television commercial that's Mm -hmm. really Mm -hmm. well put together and they have special evenings out. They have a Friday night dinner package, a military night. They have teacher nights, 40 under 40. They have teen nights, Mother's Day special for today. They have a meet the orchestra night. Uh, meet the cast night.
2: And what they Uh. also have is a celebration that this is their 60th season. Who Mm -hmm. would have expected this tiny place in the middle of nowhere? Who had heard of East Adam, Connecticut? Well, I guess people who live there did, but I mean, really, you know, I mean, It's amazing that this place has been able to succeed. And, you know, Michael Price certainly is one of the reasons why. And, you know, not so uh, incidentally, choosing Manila Mancha and choosing Annie to be there uh, certainly helped as well. And to a lesser degree, even Shenandoah. So, um, really, uh, Michael Price still deserves so much credit for what's happening. And, of course, the subsequent artistic directors seem to have uh, kept the place very, very healthy. And this is Exhibit A, this gypsy.
1: Uh, As we always talk about, whenever a summer theater rolls around and you make your trips out of town, I have to ask you about the ice cream offerings on Main Street there. Did did you partake the new Peter Felicia slimmed down 30 some odd pounds or so? Are you partaking in the ice cream this year?
2: (laughs) Uh, the moment the show was over, Linda said, "We're going over there," and <laughs> I had two scoops of uh, chocolate, and she had two scoops of mint chocolate chip. So, and paid for it the next day when I got on the scale. But nevertheless, um, she uh, <laughs> notice she was there at the end of the show. You know? Yeah, I was, was gonna I was gonna say <laughs> yes. did not
1: flee into the evening of no, East Adams, funny. Connecticut to no, look for a, a <laughs> casino. No <laughs> <You know? laughs> <How> funny. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So uh I also wanted to ask you, Peter, about uh update on the Theater World Awards. We had some big announcements this week.
2: Well, it's very nice that Brian Stokes Mitchell, or uh, uh, Stokes as he's affectionately called, uh, will be getting uh, one of our honorary awards, which is really quite nice. And uh, we're so thrilled. He's always been so wonderful to these awards. Um, I, I'm sure I've told the story about the time when his doctor told him he was on vocal rest and he couldn't do it. He was in King Headley. For, he missed all weekend performances. And I said, no, you must come. You must. You must. Don't forget John Willis discovered you when you were in Mail, a 17 performance show, and mm-hmm. you didn't even have the lead. and And he came. And he came and I said, I will never ask you to do this again if you do it today. And of course, I've asked him since and he's always come back. As he says, this is the sweetest award of all because it is given to rookies of the year. And, um, so, so yes, he will, um, certainly be coming. And, um, and we're very happy to say that there will be a surprise guest. I'm going to be, um, a little vague on that in, uh, who will, um, hand out the award to, uh, Julie Benko, the, um, the person who, um, kept funny girl from being funny girl goes wrong and um <laughs> so we we are uh, definitely um very thrilled to have um a, a nice surprise um who certainly has a connection with funny girl uh so yeah it's, it's coming along if if you'd like to attend please email me i'm at p felicia at aol.com or gmail.com for that matter um do do get in touch with me if you're in town you'd like to come uh you certainly can come as my guests
1: uh, and uh, I saw a, a little special notice that uh, Dale Badway's uh, getting uh,
2: special recognition. As well he should. These odds yes. would not be happening without him. He e- saved explain us.
1: who Dale is, because a lot of people don't know he is the, uh, the, the Wizard of Oz behind the curtain.
2: Oh, indeed. I mean, I'm the one who gets all the glory from being the MC. but good Lord. I mean, this man has really, really saved these awards. He, I, I, along, This may surprise you when I mention the other name, but it really is true. Along with Frank Wildhorn, I have never met anybody in the theater who has made promises to me and has kept everyone at every time. So, um, really, an astonishing situation. I mean, he's he's been uh, connected with a lot of Broadway shows. In fact, ironically enough, uh, he was also one of the producers of Bonnie and Clyde. So, um, I, I have a feeling uh, at least those two fine men did get along very well. But he was involved with um, Porgy and Bess, uh, the Gershwin's Porgy and Bess, excuse me, mm-hmm. um, and and Pippin, American in Paris. A, a lot of shows. He's he's won Emmy awards for um, various programs. But I'm telling you, he has really stepped up and always made things happen and um, this, these ones would not exist without Dale Badway it's that simple so because it's 10 years that he's kept them alive we're certainly recognizing him this year
1: that's wonderful he is just uh, an incredible force of nature that Absolutely. keeps lots of things going you bet uh, and, and I'm glad to see he's getting yep. recognized here yep Michael, you had uh, a scheduled uh, rendezvous with Raul. That did not happen, sadly, because Raul's been a little bit out under the weather. So uh, so tell us, um, I- I'm sorry that this didn't happen. Is it possible to get rescheduled or is it one of those things that's not going to happen?
3: Yeah, we're going to try. I thought we would wait till Oliver is over because it's been quite a week. Um, We were supposed to I was supposed to do a live interview and Q&A with Raul for the Drama Desk uh, on Tuesday the 9th. But um, on about mm, well, I mean, he had missed the Sunday evening performance of Oliver and Gavin Lee, as we had mentioned, um, who happily was in place (laughs) as his uh, cover uh, went on and I, and i of course i checked with raul that night or the following day to, to see if he thought we were still on for tuesday and he at that time thought yes but he had uh, apparently a sinus infection which led to laryngitis mm-hmm. um yeah. so he uh he could not he he had to call out again from oliver on tuesday night and I, of course he wasn't <laughs> going to do our interview uh beforehand uh, yeah. so we uh we had to cancel on very short notice but we will try to reschedule and uh, i'm glad he um i I believe he he got to complete the run of oliver he went back on wednesday uh and then completed the run uh well or uh, will complete the run because today is the final performance right yeah 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 Yeah.
1: um i saw on facebook that the uh the young man in oliver that was singing everybody says don't wasn't that uh quite the video? Have you seen
3: that? No, no, what was the occasion? Was it just uh...
1: It was just uh, uh uh I forget his name. Let me see if I can what what's the the occasion playing all of it? Pajak?
2: Yeah, Ben. Um uh, ben yeah. ben Benjamin, yeah.
3: If that's how you pronounce it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: He uh he's singing Everybody Says Don't uh,
3: <laughs> Quite quite cute.
2: Quick. Everybody's saying yes about that performance, though. Yeah. Uh, boy, uh, he has torn down the house, no question. Yeah.
3: And really, as I said, he must have gotten in just under the wire, because his voice will probably start changing tomorrow. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's 12, I believe. So maybe, maybe he's got a few more months or a year. <laughs>
1: Uh, you know, uh, Michael, if his voice starts changing, uh, maybe on July 24th, he can meet you at 54 Below and sing us some of Jerry Orbach's <laughs> songs.
2: <laughs> yes. Well, the character in The Fantastics is called The Boys. so, I mean, you know. The, the <laughs> All
1: right. So you have the uh, this show coming up on the 24th. Anything new to report on that?
3: You uh, guys are in rehearsal yet? Yeah, we have started rehearsal. Uh, nothing new to report. Yet, uh, it was announced so far in advance that so we, we started <laughs> recently, mm. but but I, I like that actually, I like not having to scramble. Um, yeah, no. Absolutely, and as I said, we have a great cast. We have J. Aubrey Jones and uh, Nikita Burstein and William Michaels, uh, who's currently in Parade. Mm -hmm. That's our core group, and then special guest Jill O'Hara, who, of course, played Mm -hmm. opposite Jerry Orbach in Promises, Promises, and Leroy Reams, who uh, was also in the cast of with Jerry of Forty Second Street. So, I think it's it's going to be a special evening.
1: So, uh, you, um, I I read on Facebook, you didn't tell me about this, but I read on Facebook that you had a special guest for a parade. You took, uh, you took our young friend Charles Kirsch
3: to it. Uh, oh, yes, yes, I did. And he loved it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he's, uh, Charles Kirsch is, uh, Friend of the show, friend of all of ours, and Mm -hmm. he's got his podcast, Backstage Babble, Mm -hmm. and he's... uh He's really lined up some amazing, amazing guests. Mm -hmm. My goodness. We we bow to him.
2: We bow
1: to him. He's doing some great work over at Backstage Babble. Mm -hmm. Please uh, check out his podcast as well. Mm -hmm. And as I mentioned, Um, he
3: is a recent addition to our stable of writers for mm CastAlbumReviews.com. And actually, his most recent review, uh, which I just published, but uh, I'll send out the link, is um, of The Shucked. (laughs) original oh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I have seen so many clever headlines around shucked yeah uh, get the shuck out of here <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> all various different takes yeah. on that yeah, uh, on
2: 8th Avenue a lot of um, sidewalk um, drawings of get shucked yeah so yeah, yeah love those.
1: and uh, and uh, lines going into shucked so uh, let's uh, see if they can pull it out um, In talking, you know, a little about the Tony-nominated production mm. of Shucked, mm. that uh, we've had a lot of Tony news this week, as we uh, sort of mentioned last week, you know, if there's a Tony Awards. Well, it seems that there will be a Tony Awards, just that it's uh, right I mean, now, as of this moment, not going to be broadcast on CBS or broadcast anywhere.
2: Uh, I, 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 of... don't, I don't believe that's going to happen. I really do believe there'll be an <laughs> 11th hour uh, reprieve from the governor, um, from somebody that uh, I really do not believe that's going to happen. I mean, it reminds me so much of in sports when um, a player and the team are arguing about salary and I'm not going to play. I'm not going to play. And just when you believe they're not going to play, suddenly you see them together uh, in a photo, hugging each other, management and labor. Um, so I really think that's uh what was going to happen here? There's going to be a last-minute decision to say yes, indeed, uh, they must go on; they will go on. Um, I hate to bring up the uh, the Fox Dominion settlement thing, but we all thought that was going to trial, and what happened? You know, so mm-hmm. things happen at the very last minute, and I do believe the nation will see the Tony Awards. It doesn't make me right. Um, I have no inside information. I just think that from the examples I just gave, things do happen at the last minute, and I think that certainly by june 10th the morning of june 10th it'll all be worked out
3: I, I i am sorry that they weren't granted that waiver um by i guess that they had applied writers for a guilt, waiver yeah. you know uh, under the you know I, it's true i mean that it celebrates uh well among other things it celebrates writers uh and it's not an award show is not the same as a scripted drama or anything like that, but they they were not granted the waiver. I was wondering, uh, and of course, it's a moot point. We'll never know. But could they theoretically, um, if they wanted to, just do a show that didn't have any,
2: you know, exactly one number after the other?
3: Yeah. Well, and and you know, and they just have and just pick the presenters carefully and have them come out and and ad lib a couple of lines and and then read the nominees.
2: What's the problem? I agree. I well i
3: wonder returns. i want do you suppose that the writers would protest it anyway because it's
2: well I'm sure they would but, but uh, yeah, I, yeah but but it is important for this um for this program to be broadcast. It might turn out to
3: be the best Tony Awards ever.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, not all of that. Not all of that stuff has been successful, right? Michael, that laugh was a laugh of acknowledgement, (laughs) not a laugh of ridicule. I mean, (laughs) you hit the nail on the head, you know what (laughs) I mean? So, So, yes, I understand where you're coming from entirely. So uh, Well, yes.
3: I wonder, though, I mean, because if I, I,
2: that I occurred
1: Factor's equity, I don't know if Factors' Equity is going to allow their members Right, because to, they'd, they'd
3: basically be – well, but in a way, they wouldn't know because, I mean, they wouldn't be – it wouldn't be that this, there would be stuff written by non-union members. There would just yeah. be no it's, – it's sort of equivalent to the way the, the talk shows are still going on, aren't they? The live talk shows? Uh, uh, Some of them are, yeah.
2: But actors' equity has um, been behind the writers, so uh, that that could pose a problem. I don't know. Maybe um, maybe they just show b-roll um, of of various things. Um, that would be uh, something that would be at least something to, for people to see. Yeah. Um, so uh, uh, we all know that it's not going to be um, the night that it, uh, we expected it to be, but um something's better than nothing.
3: And how sad, just coming out of the pandemic, you know?
2: Yeah, 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 and and really, um, how sad that it happened so close to to this. I mean, if it were a couple of months later, none of this would be um, an right, issue. Right. But but it is.
1: Yeah i i I don't know if uh I I don't know if we're able to. There's a lot of people that had said, you know, let people add lib lines or let's you know do it without writers or things like that a lot of those things are less than ideal for network television uh sure and sure yeah uh so that's it, it's really really tough to do that uh, and on the flip side you know we have live television you know unscripted every single day with sports right so right uh, mm-hmm. you know if uh not to say that there's, um, not to say that, uh, th- th- that it couldn't be hosted per se, but maybe somebody could be giving color commentary, you know, uh, present the Tony Awards as a sports event. And, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> here are these mm-hmm. com- competitors. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Alan Teasley in our uh, chat room says, I want Peter to do the play by play. I think that would be perfect, you know?
2: I, if elected, I will serve.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, Paul Witte is also saying, think about the impact of uh, two Spoiled Tony wards had and will have on Girl from the North Country and Kimberly Akimbo. Girl from the North, Con- uh, North mm-hmm. Country, you know, short shrifted mm-hmm. during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And Kimberly Akimbo was really, I think, you know, I, I don't know this to be true. I'm, I'm just imagining this from the outside. They are holding on for dear life with the hope of a Tony Award. Sure. Uh they're not they don't have great gross numbers and things like that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh so this'll be this'll be a, a tough thing. And I I I think that uh I I don't think that the, the Writers Guild uh I wanna choose my words here. I don't think that the Writers Guild's executive members appreciate Broadway as much as other
3: people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So I I don't think that this really makes their radar screen. And in fact, you know, it also... It puts a lot of pressure on the studios, yeah, whether it be Netflix or Disney. In fact, or various other uh, studios, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that uh, they feel that this makes them look bad. So they're going to even hold it out even further and not let it go on because sure. they they feel as though it blames the studios. So it, you know, uh, it's um, it's a very very complicated world we live in.
2: Isn't it? Yeah.
1: Uh, but we're, we, as Peter said in the beginning a couple of minutes ago, from Peter's lips to God's ears, hopefully, uh, this will all get resolved, mm-hmm. uh, soon. I, I don't know if that's possible, but let's all cross our fingers and toes and mm-hmm. see if that's a possibility. So, Michael, with that said, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm very, very jealous that you got up to Boston because. Yes. Uh, because my New York Yankees are in the bottom of the A.I. East. <laughs> yes, they are, yeah. <laughs> With, I mean and with a really great record above 500 i mean but that a- al east is just an incredible mm-hmm. division
2: this year the mm-hmm. tampa bay mm-hmm. is
1: killing us well but the orioles are uh, doing
2: very well too
1: yeah. orioles you know yeah. Uh, yeah. all those all those cities that broadway uh has really close ties to you know mm-hmm. people think of broadway as just new york city but yeah. broadway where would broadway be without baltimore and boston
2: actually boston <laughs> and baltimore yeah yeah <laughs> and philly exactly <laughs>
1: So, Michael, you got up to Boston to see the Symphonic Ragtime, so tell us about this.
3: Yes, and and, uh, uh, on the note of what you just said, uh, at intermission, I I went to the men's room, and the line was somewhat long. And so the guy uh, in back of me said, is this Fenway Park?
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's not that far from it.
3: Yeah, And there is a baseball scene in Ragtime. That's right. <laughs> uh, although not Fenway Park. But uh, no. <laughs> um, yes, this was a wonderful, wonderful uh, Called uh, The title was Ragtime, the Symphonic Concert. Uh, music by Stephen Flaherty, lyrics by Lynn Ahrens, book by Terrence McNally, original orchestrations by William David Braun. And then it says additional orchestrations by Kim Scharnberg, which I didn't really notice anything new uh there might have been um just little sections maybe that were rewritten to like to uh tie in the you know the cuts uh there was very little actual dialogue in it and uh, this was directed by jason danielly uh who i uh got to talk with at intermission a, a bit and he was very Proud of the fact that they, he said, we we have cut it from two hours and forty minutes to two hours, mm-hmm. uh, and I really, it, I barely noticed the cuts. Uh-huh. So that that is quite a tribute um, to him and everyone who 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 did the editing and just put the whole thing together. Uh, fantastic, fantastic cast. Alden Fitzgerald White is Colhouse Walker Jr. Elizabeth Stanley as mother john Cariani, absolutely fantastic as tata nikki renee daniels amazing Ooh. as sarah uh some fellow i don't know david harris maybe he's a local as father aj shively as mother's younger brother, mm-hmm. Clea Blackhurst as Emma mm-hmm. Goldman, uh, and then uh, Julia Little as the little girl and Quinn Murphy as the little boy, both adorable, and the fantastic orchestra, the Boston Pops, conducted by Keith Lockhart, uh, in the historic Symphony Hall, which uh, I had been there before. I, I'm not. I'm a little confused, and I didn't get a chance to ask anyone uh, who worked there. It, it, this was at, um, at tables. Tables with uh-huh. chairs, uh, but it looked like that the the regular theater seats had been permanently removed. Um, do you? Does anyone happen to know?
2: I don't know about that, but the last time I was there, I was sitting at a table.
3: Yeah, I'm gonna have to ask about that because it,
2: it, the the and floor- theater seats are not really permanent.
1: Yes, uh-huh. if you walk by the majestic, you'll see that. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Yeah, but well anyway, uh regardless, uh it's always great to be in that in that historic space. Actually the one negative of this concert was I'm sorry to say that the sound amplification was not great. The mix between the orchestra and the soloists was not was far from ideal, although it did seem to get a lot better during act 2. I saw the first performance uh, the first of three performances, uh so maybe they just needed more time to fine tune it and didn't really have enough time to do that during rehearsal. Um, so that was a bit of uh, a disappointment, but, uh, but I s- could still tell, you know, that, that the performances were great and it was really wonderful and lovely. And what a, what an amazing musical that is mm, uh, mm, just incredible. Mm. It's funny. Hey, when you, when you see and hear a show over and over again, sometimes you, uh, you eventually notice flaws that you didn't notice, hmm. but sometimes you also notice uh, really, really great things in them that just went kind of went by you and you didn't focus on it. And I was thinking um, so many wonderful melodies and, uh, and orchestrations and lyrics in this show, but just something that in, just in passing in the song uh, crime of the century uh, Evelyn Nesbitt's song, uh, you know, she's singing about the, the, True crime, what was called the crime of the century, when her lover, um, uh, Harry, uh, Harry thought, Harry thought, wait, her lover or her husband? Mm, Well, her husband killed the lover, yeah, right, yeah, Yeah, right, yeah. Uh, Yeah. When uh, when he shot uh, uh, her, her lover, who was Stanford White, the famous architect uh, of (laughs) among the of the original Penn Station, among many, many other things that still exist in New York. And it, and it really was, it was called the crime of the century. Uh, and she has a whole little vaudeville number about it because in fact, mm-hmm. Evelyn Nesbitt went into vaudeville to capitalize mm-hmm. on the fact, you know, this, this notoriety. And, and it was sort of a, I'm sure it was something that, uh, that people thought about when, when Chicago, uh, you know, was being uh-huh. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> both the original yeah. play and the musical, um, but anyway, uh, so she's singing her little vaudeville number. And there's a line where, where she, uh, actually the chorus sings, it's the crime of the century, crime of the century, not such an awful thing. And I'm like, yeah, well, it's the crime of the century, but <laughs> it's not such an awful thing because I got all this publicity out of it. And, you know, and, you know, it's just, you know, it's just fun, And, you know. <laughs> so um, that's just a little, one little line that stuck out at me in this amazing score. And, and, uh, this program is going to be done again at, um, uh, Tanglewood this summer. Uh, so if any of you get up there, you might want to check and see when that's happening. Cause really, uh, I mean, ragtime is not, Done all that often because it's mm-hmm. a huge show and, mm-hmm. and requires huge forces and it's very expensive. But, but that's another great thing about this. Uh, the symphonic concert makes it, I, I guess, more affordable, much more affordable, obviously, than, than mounting a full Broadway scale mm-hmm. production mm-hmm. somewhere. Mm-hmm. So maybe the show will get a whole new life through this. Um, mm-hmm. and I hope this, uh, I don't think there are any, uh, announcements of it being done in New York yet, but I would imagine. Uh, it's only natural that it will be. I certainly hope so.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, that, as Michael pointed out, it was a limited Boston Pops, but it's going to come back to Tanglewood. Right. And uh, if you can get up there to see it, that seems like a wonderful evening. I'm going to have to see if I can fit it into my summer schedule. Couldn't ask for anything better than that. Mm-hmm. So, Peter, yeah. our favorites Uh the J2 Spotlight Musical Theater Company has a uh, new production of The Goodbye Girl that's running through May 20th, uh, which is just a, a couple of – we have six more days of it. So tell us about it.
2: Well, I uh, I always felt that The Goodbye Girl was an excellent musical. But I really do feel that the set design did it in back in 1993. And um, that was verified the next year when I saw it in a tiny production in Monkland, New Jersey, where the unknown Beowulf for it did the set and did a brilliant set. Mm -hmm. So um, that's when I knew that this really was a very good show. Here we have David Zippel, uh, the lyricist, coming back to direct (laughs) it. And uh, all was going well until Santino Fontana um, fell ill. But Dan DeLuca was there, and I am telling you, this is the second time this season, all right, granted it was last June, but that comes as the season, uh, where this man has rescued a show, It's astonishing. Um, he rescued the nutty professor in, in Ogonquit, um last June, and here he is coming in with very little notice to come in and do the show, and he was lecture perfect uh, as uh, Elliot Garfield, the uh, actor who has sublet an apartment um, by a near do who left his fiancée well uh, or at least very serious girlfriend and her daughter in the apartment and didn't care at all um it just left and that was that and she is furious of course that this happened and so she takes out her displaced hostility on him um, she of course realizes that he has title to the place he's as he says i'm your landlord And uh, you have to treat me nice. Well, she doesn't for a long time. And one might say that it's a very uh, obvious thing that's going to happen between the two of them. But taint what you do is the way that you do it. And um, Neil Simon, of course, who wrote the original movie, knew what he was doing, as he most always did, and certainly made it convincing with a lot of funny lines and a lot of funny situations. And um, here we are with the revival here that is notch. Um, I do expect that Santino Fontana is going to return. However, if he doesn't, and again, I hope he does from the vantage point that he's well, but if you wind up seeing Dan DeLuca, you're going to see a terrific performance. None of this is meant to short change what Sierra Barges does as Paula. Uh, Terrific performance. Performance as well. The whole cast is very strong, and it's very nice to have Christopher Sieber playing. And this is actually what it says in the Playbill: character man, because he plays this, that, and the other <laughs> role. He plays the director of Richard III. Now, the Richard III um, situation uh, thirty years ago. Wow, thirty years ago already. Since Goodbye Girl, um, the situation thirty years ago was that the director, as in the movie, want him to play it as gay and um and of course, Elliot doesn't see that anywhere in the text and doesn't want to do it well, um that's been changed now, and it's gotten even stranger, very, very funny, not a problem but um don't expect to see what you saw thirty years ago or expect to know now uh, see what you uh, uh, had uh, learned from the original cast album uh so it's it's different there and but otherwise it's um almost business as usual, from the original cast album. The one difference, there's a song called As Good As It Gets at the beginning, and this is a very smart thing to do. It's a song where um, uh, Paula and her daughter Lucy are so excited. They're going to California. What an adventure. Isn't this going to be wonderful? Tony's got a job. He's going to take care of us. It's going to be great. How wonderful. And it's a very smart thing to have this opening number I don't know what happened originally. I don't know if it was ever used during the Chicago tryout. I don't know if it was dropped during rehearsals, if they never put it in, but it's a smart idea to put it in now. Why? <clears throat> well, because if you don't put in this happy-go-lucky song and you see Paula at her uh, happiest, uh, or at least till the end of the show, Her first song is called No More, Mm. and it's an angry song. And we're conditioned to um, expect want songs in musicals where people tell us what their goals are, and here she is being bitter and angry. She has every right to be. I'm just saying it's an odd way to start um, a musical comedy, which indeed this is. So by starting with this um, happy-go-lucky number, uh, the world's our oyster, et cetera, uh, it's it's a very, very smart way to go because we get to like these people and then we feel more devastated when we find out what happens to them. In fact, I'm pretty sure that as time went on, um, either the Broadway production or subsequent production, but I think even on Broadway, No More Was Dropped. I, I think so. Um, Brenda Peters didn't wind up doing it. Brenda Peters and Martin Shaw were certainly uh, terrific casting for the show, and they certainly did their job. It was just one of those things that didn't gel. They uh, replaced their director. Gene Sachs came in to direct. Uh, It it was very, very strange um, that a show with all this pedigree would have so much trouble out of town, but it did. But it sure doesn't seem like a show that had a second's problem being out of town. So it's very nice to see David Zippel take over and uh, direct it, knowing where the strengths are, and playing to those strengths, and certainly casting it wonderfully. There isn't um, a a lemon in the entire bunch. They're all terrific, including um, Deborah Thays-Evans, as Mrs. Crosby the landlady uh, originally played by Carol Woods um, a nice uh, big black uh, mama type who uh, certainly uh, sells her songs as well so um, only a week to go but really very very worthwhile and another one that Linda stayed till the end
3: (laughs) Boy, I can see how adding that number at the beginning would make all the difference it in really the world. It really does. It really does. Because I, I, I remember, I, I, I don't have a lot of clear memory of the show, but I remember that I, I zeroed in on that problem from the first. And I don't think I was the only one. I think that might have been mentioned.
2: It must in- have been for them to drop it. It must have been. You know, why else would you drop Bernadette Peters' first song?
3: Now, um, I'm sorry, did you say, uh, do you know when uh, this new song was written? No, no
2: idea. No idea.
3: Because, Um, of course, Marvin um, Hamas is is no longer longer with us. us. Yeah, Yeah. I know.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, uh, no, I don't know.
3: Also, Peter, uh, again, as I said, I don't have a clear memory, but I think it seemed to me that at the last minute, uh, of the original production that they also changed the, the gay Richard, the third thing, because they were, Oh yeah.
2: Of it. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, I didn't know I, that. Yeah. I think so. I think
3: they, okay. they fudged it and they said, he, he, I forget what word they used They didn't use the word gay. They wanted him, him to play it as, uh, I, I don't remember, like mentally challenged or something. Oh, uh-huh. that, would, that, would yeah, that would have been, that would have been, yeah, it was something like that. He, he, uh-huh. yeah. I'll have to, if anyone, if any of our listeners know, um, yeah. Please feel free to chime in. <laughs>
2: yeah, indeed. Yeah.
3: <laughs> All right. So,
1: uh, as Peter mentioned, the goodbye girl is uh, playing down a theater row through May 20th. So you have a few days left to go see it. Uh, and we'll have a link to that in the show show notes. Uh, Michael, you caught up with the sign in Sydney Brewstein's window at the James Earl Jones. Uh, so tell us what your thoughts are on it.
3: Oh, I was so glad that I got to see it. And, uh, I I think it uh you know one can absolutely appreciate it as a major work by Lorraine Hansberry even while maybe recognizing why it was not successful on Broadway originally in 1964 because there's so much in it I I, I I'm I wonder why she tried to do so much in one play I I mean I guess it's because she's trying to uh give us a, a little sort of microcosm of what life in the village uh Greenwich mm-hmm. Village would have been like at that time and mm-hmm. the characters are so rich and so interesting mm-hmm. and the dialogue is so wonderfully um I, I guess you'd call it heightened naturalism everyone seems so real uh and they don't they don't seem like cardboard uh people or 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 caricatures in any way they 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 there's such life on that stage and all these different types of characters. Um, and it's, it, there's really no plot so much as, just people trying to be socially conscious and, and, uh, trying to live together in, in the melting pot, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that is, uh, mm-hmm. New York, but also in Greenwich village, which was famous as a, you know, a progressive area. Um, uh, so, uh, I I loved it. Uh, the the performance is Oscar Isaac. Uh, he, he, I, I, he's so good. <laughs> he's so good on stage. I, I saw him as Romeo in Romeo and Juliet in the park years ago. I, I hate to think how many years ago it was now. Uh, I mean, it doesn't seem that long ago, but uh, I guess it was. And he, uh, you know, he, but he just has a real commitment to the theater, even though I would just classify him as quite a major movie star now and and then on the other hand you have rachel brosnahan uh, you know who's the star of one of the most popular tv shows uh that that i know of the marvelous mrs mazel um i had never seen her on stage before and she was fantastic uh julian de niro glenn fitzgerald andy Grodelution, miriam silverman Raphael nesh thompson and uh well, it was such a wonderful surprise to me because I hadn't focused on this uh, before I um, got to see the show. I've been so busy. I don't think I even read any of the reviews until I got to finally see it. Um, but of course, and the show had played at BAM uh, before it very quickly moved to Broadway, as we discussed. Um, uh, absolutely at the last moment, moment and with very, very little planning under the wire because there happened to be the opening at the uh, what is now called the James Earl Jones Theater, and so it could open in time for Tony Awards consideration. Which, of course, as we said, maybe, <laughs> maybe turned out to not work out as well as uh, uh, as we had hoped because there may not be a Tony Awards, at least not on tv anyway uh uh there is a, a a very um a role that a character that comes in very late in the action uh but turns out to be pivotal and her uh name is gloria paradis who's a, a si- the sister of uh the characters played by rachel brosnahan and uh also um uh Miriam Silverman uh and that role uh, of Gloria is played by Gus Burney who is the daughter of Reed Burney and the sister of Ephraim Burney whom, whom we've discussed mm-hmm. a, a lot recently uh and I had met her um about a year and a half ago, or, or less than a year and a half ago, uh, at an event, and now here she was on Broadway <laughs> in this really wonderful pivotal role. So that was that was so great to see uh, her being given that opportunity. Uh, so well directed by Anne Kaufman, and uh, I I just loved it, and I'm so glad that it did get to come to Broadway very, very unplanned and against all odds mm. like that. Mm-hmm. So the
1: sign in, Sidney Brewstein's window is at the James Old Jones. It's scheduled through July 2nd right now. We'll have a link to that in the show notes. Uh, Michael, you also got over to the Hayes Theater to see the Thanksgiving play, so tell us about that.
3: Yeah, you know, and, and thanks to all these press agents for... for uh, getting me in late um, to see these things because I there, there was just so much opening that that some things had to yield. Uh, so I may have been late, but at least I got there to see this really um, well, well-written well play by Larissa Fast Horse. Uh, I, I thought um, that I had seen it actually off-Broadway some years ago, but I was confusing it with another play. Uh, and it was not this one. So this was my first experience of it uh really uh, wonderful satire i guess you would describe it about these uh, adults that are, that are getting together to discuss the, the you know the production of a, a thanksgiving play uh you know uh, involving young people and uh just bending over backwards to do everything possible to make sure they make it as woke as it can possibly be uh, and it's uh you know you know what this play shows among other things it shows how um uh people on the left can laugh at themselves uh whereas i think people on the right <laughs> i honestly think they just cannot i mean can you imagine a far right playwright if there is such a thing writing a satire <laughs> about conservatives <laughs> you know i it just would never
1: happen and-
2: Right? Again, again, a laughter of acknowledgment. Yeah, <laughs> yes, so, indeed.
1: Yeah, so we, but- we call the uh, David Mamet. Ah,
2: <laughs> great rebuttal. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh but yeah, I but- don't. I, I don't really know if uh, you know David Mamet of recent days is able to
3: laugh at himself though.
2: Mm-hmm. Right you and know, also
3: our, yeah, and I wouldn't say any of his plays are our, 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 our our conservative.
2: satires are about conservatives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. but who knows what's coming? Anyway, go on.
3: <laughs> Although it's interesting that that's such an interesting comment, James. I yeah, guess you yeah. could see. Mm-hmm. Glenn Gary Glenn Ross as a yeah. as a sort of indictable indictment of you know mm-hmm. of of capitalism. So mm-hmm. in a way, it's it is yeah. somewhat like that, isn't it? But yeah. he probably would not write that today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah, what
1: I'm saying. And, and what was yeah. that? What was that play with Al Pacino and and the plane? Uh, that train wreck. That. Was oh yeah, yeah, yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. I remember, right, yeah, yeah. I don't remember the name,
2: mm-hmm. but I know what you're talking about, right? Yeah. What a
1: train wreck! Yeah. Uh, but mm-hmm. you know, and it's like. What happened to David Mamet?
2: Yeah. You know? uh, who
1: knows? Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. Anyway, uh, the Thanksgiving play, uh, really uh, very, very well written by Larissa Fasthorse and beautifully directed by Rachel Chavkin, one of my absolute favorite directors, um, with a great cast Darcy Carden, Katie Finnerin, Scott Foley, and Chris Sullivan. Um, so that is at the. Oh, you know what? Peter? What? Did we discuss this? This is so ridiculous. What? On the cover of the Playbill, it says Playbill, registered trademark. Second stage, the Hayes Theater. On the title page at the top, it says the Helen Hayes Theater. Does it really? Wow. What sense does that make? (laughs) Oh, well. (laughs) Why are they playing these games? Who knows? You know,
1: it's funny you should say that because I... I I you know, I naturally say the Helen Hayes Theater, but I've been mm. scolded by really? the press by the press rep. Wow! Uh, well, tell
3: them that they take it off the damn title page. <laughs> <laughs> so I went to IBDB
1: and yes. I pulled up. Uh, I pulled up the Thanksgiving play, and it says it's at the Hayes Theater, and so I click through to the Hayes Theater, and it says previously known as the Helen Hayes Theater, Little Theater, Winthrop, New York Times mm-hmm. Hall. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it says it's been the Hayes Theater since 2018. I was like,
3: really? I guess they since 2018? Yeah, I do I, sort of remember that. But again, uh, it's, it's. Half but I measures. thought it was
1: more recent than that. Yeah, but mm. no, it's, it's like, it's such a ball of inconsistency. Right. You it know, is. we're, we're totally off track for Liversa ha- Fast Horses play. But I, you know, we keep talking about this. I, I wish they would get some sort of consistency and, and and not use the Hayes Theater, but please use the Helen Hayes Theater.
3: I mm. uh, I don't. I don't I'm, maybe there's a legal reason. I don't. Mm. I asked the I asked one of the press agents once, and and the answer was so convoluted that I don't remember. Oh. It. Uh. Mm. Mm. <laughs>
1: So, uh, Rob Johnson in our uh, chat room reminds us that the play is called China Doll, the mammoth yeah, play. Yes. that's right. Yes. And yes, do yes. we remember why it was called China mm-hmm. Doll? or Is that some sort of off-color, mm. terrible I, name I for a play? When,
2: I remember something with an airplane. That's all I remember. No, there was yeah. some
3: reference to a, a. There was some reference in it to a, a literal China Doll. I think. Hmm. A, a doll made of. I
1: believe fine. you. I,
0: think. <laughs> I just don't remember. I
1: think. <laughs> oh, let's go back to the days when things were easier, like when we had Judy Garland on television. <laughs> so, Michael, we yeah. got over to uh, the Lyrics and Lyricists series at 92nd Street Y, 92 uh, Y, we call it, and uh, their program was Judy on TV, celebrating the Judy Garland show.
3: So, tell us about this. Really fantastic program. Um, Billy Stritch, billed as artistic director, music director, arranger, and host. Uh, written and directed by Dick Scanlon. Choreography by Richard Stafford. With a phenomenal cast of Aisha Haas, Gabrielle Stravelli, Alicia Umfress, and Max von Essen. Uh, with uh, uh, Billy at the piano and Patrick O'Leary on bass and Mark McLean on drums absolutely fantastic projection design uh that i have to mention by kylie Loera, uh and uh it was uh, as you can tell by the title i guess a celebration of judy garland um focusing on her tv series but also really kind of comprehensive like you know starting uh, with the some some material on her her start in vaudeville and then of course her her film career at an mgm and and her live concerts uh including cardiol uh and then cu- culminating in her tv show where um you know the point was made that if it wasn't for that that tv show uh we would really have n- no a- audio visual record of her performing live you know in in concert in a conference Mm -hmm. situation Mm -hmm. but as it is um the show it didn't last that long but it lasted long enough that i think she performed every song (laughs) almost every song that she ever sang live in any concert on that Mm -hmm. show at one point or another uh and it's they're they're, you know the the clips are just electric uh as you can imagine Uh, so it's a lot to live up to of course in terms of the actual legend and her performances which are so well documented but this cast was um was just fantastic and billy's arrangements were absolutely superb uh you know we know the songs so well but the way they were put together in, in little uh sometimes in little medleys and mini medleys just made you hear them a new um and, but the quality of the performances I, I mean all four of these people are amazing uh i and i i knew that the the one i knew least is gabrielle stravelli i had heard her sing live once or or twice before but her voice is absolutely extraordinary Mm -hmm. uh it's so malleable and so so versatile she can sound um i i guess she primarily is considered a jazz uh artist and she certainly can sing um jazz in a way that Sounds so authentic and so organic, uh, but she also, you know, can sing in a more Broadway style if she wants. And and she really stylistically is is so so versatile. Um, but the range of her voice, the beauty of it, the fact that there doesn't seem to be a break in her voice, <laughs> you know, over two and a two and a half three octaves or whatever it might be, um, absolutely incredibly amazing. You, you really should seek her out if you've if you have not heard her because she's one of the absolute best and um it seemed like everyone i knew was in the audience on the night (laughs) i attended this (laughs) because i think i think word had gotten out uh let's see they did how many performances total one two uh just three just three performances three yeah um but word did get out and it was it was it was overflowing and, and absolutely fantastic. So I'm so glad I did not miss that.
1: All right. So the, uh, lyrics and lyricists series at 92nd street. Y has always been, uh, a safe bet to mm. get over to it. So mm. we'll have a link to that in the show notes, uh, so you can get over and see what else they have coming up and, uh, check that out. So before, before we wrap up for today and get on to our trivia on our musical moment, I want to remind everybody that you can subscribe to these broadcasts by going to the front page of broadwayradio dot com. There's a subscribe link that way. Each and every time we have a new episode of this week on Broadway, it'll be automatically downloaded to Apple Podcasts for you. Of course, you don't have to listen to us on Apple Podcasts. There's many ways to get us. You can support Broadway Radio by going to patreon dot com slash Broadway Radio to uh, subscribe to our shows and support us and help us get out all sorts of new shows like this week. Uh, uh, the public got a chance to listen to Jan Simpson's All the Drama, the 1983 Pulitzer Prize winner Night Mother uh, by Marsha Norman, was the uh, this, this month's uh, podcast by Jan. But our Patreon listeners got to listen to it a week in advance. Uh, so if you want to be... Uh, supporting Broadway Radio and getting our podcasts early, then go to patreon.com slash Broadway Radio and sign up there. You can also listen to us on Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Stitcher, Stitcher, and Google Play, or anywhere that you can listen to. You find a podcast, you can find Broadway Radio's offerings. Contact information for Peter from Michael and me can be found in the show notes at broadrayradio.com, as well as links to some of the things we've talked about today. So Peter, do you have an answer to last week's trivia?
2: The call letters of a radio station in Cross Plains, Wisconsin, are the initials of a famous character who has been seen in at least one book, play, musical, TV special, animated film, and live action film. Well, Cross Plains, Wisconsin's radio station, as many of you learned from Googling, as I did too, (laughs) WMAD. It's kind of funny. I wouldn't think that any station would have the word mad in its uh, call letters, but these are strange times. Anyway, WMAD, which are the initials of Wendy, Moira, Angela, Darling, and Peter Pan? Um, I thought of this while watching the 2003 film version of James M. Barry's most famous work, which is well worth watching because the two kids are extraordinarily good as Peter and Wendy. Anyway, who was the first answer? Julia Green once more. The previous week, she had won by four seconds. This week, she was the first by three seconds as Paul Witte almost immediately followed suit. We'll see if someone answering this week's question can shave her victory to two seconds. But before I ask the new one, let's also give credit to Tony Janicki, Sean Logan, Josh Israel, Isaac Blevins, Brigadoon, Deb Popple, and Jack Leshner. All right, this week's question. It's a musical with a two word title. It was nominated for a few Tony's, but won none and wasn't expected to win any. The first word of the title is a woman's name. But if you put one space at a certain point in the second word, you get two first names of women. Now, the first two names of the three are also the first names of Tony winners in the Best Featured Actress in a Musical category. What's the musical? What are the three names you can take from the title? And who are the two Tony winners? Okay, if you have an answer for that, <laughs>
1: email us at trivia at com, and we'll let you know if you're on the right track. So, Michael, what do we have in this week's musical moment?
3: Well, I've been thinking a lot and listening to Ragtime for obvious reasons. Uh, so our opener is The Crime of the Century, uh, previously mentioned. And our closer, uh, both of these uh, clips from the original cast, original Broadway cast recording, uh, our closer is Wheels of a Dream, as incredibly performed by Audrey McDonald and Brian Stokes Mitchell.
1: Michael, I don't recall
3: this. Mm-hmm.
1: Was there an actual Broadway cast, or was it just the t- Toronto cast?
3: Oh yeah, oh there, yeah, there was a two uh, two disc uh, yeah. Broadway cast album. Yeah, Which
2: Bill, I have a signed copy of, by the way. <laughs> uh, Bill Bill Roseville, who um, produced the album, uh, I remember saying to me, "It had to be two discs. I wasn't listening to anybody saying, "What are you crazy? You you break the score." <laughs> I learned from Follies; it wasn't going to happen. Two discs. Yeah, there was a there was an early disc um, that really wet our appetites for this score, uh, and virtually everybody in that cast did come to Broadway, uh, almost, but not quite. Uh, but that was a one disc, and um, it really was a terrific introduction to the score.
3: Right, Camille Saviola was replaced by Judy Kay. Yeah, uh, and yeah. then uh, there's the Evelyn Nesbitts are different, I believe. Mm-hmm. There's also some differences in the um, in the songs, and I remember actually uh, the the there was a rewrite, a partial rewrite of one of my favorite songs, the night that Goldman spoke at Union Square, mm-hmm. and I remember s- seeing Stephen uh, and Lynn. Uh, Somewhere at an event, and saying, "You know, I, I, I kind of like the bridge of the original one better." And he said, "You know, we were saying that to each other. They, since we recorded it, some people are going to say." It. Things like that,
2: mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> but you that's okay. That's, everybody. Yeah. that's
3: okay. The rewrite version is is fine as well. You bet it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peter, when you
1: uh, see Stokes at Theater World Awards, uh, mm-hmm. ask him if he's got a picture of Dorian Gray somewhere.
2: Yeah, indeed. Huh? <laughs> because he yeah. looks exactly the same as yeah, he did. He really does. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: All right. So on behalf of Michael Portantier and Peter Felicia, this is James Marino saying thanks so much for listening to Broadway Videos this week on Broadway. Bye-bye.
0: Bye bye. I will show him America and he will ride on the wheels of a dream. Turning for us, girl, and the times are starting to roll. Any man can get where he wants to if he's got some fire in his soul. We'll see justice, Sarah, and plenty of men who will stand up and give us our due. Oh, Sarah, it's more than promises. Sarah, it must be true, a country that lets a man like me own a car, raise a child, build a life with you.